0: Welcome to Christian Overcomers. I'm Pastor Ben Heath and our topic of study today will be the serpent seed. The serpent seed, Satan seed, two seed line or dual seed doctrine is a controversial belief that Eve had sexual relations with Satan, the serpent, in the garden of Eden resulting in the birth of Cain, Satan's own son. Those who believe this teaching See it as the common thread that binds together the Holy Bible from beginning to end. Without this knowledge, we believe it would be difficult for one to properly understand history, current events, prophecy, or the true mystery of the battle taking place between good and evil. A couple prominent verses used to support this teaching are as follows. Genesis 3, verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise the head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The fir- That's the first prophecy in the entire Bible. Then if we turn over to Matthew chapter 13, verses 37 through 38, it reads, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Okay. So, Hey, that, I mean, that's, that sounds pretty solid, right? And I believe it is pretty solid, but you know, many people, believe that the serpent seed doctrine is what they like to call it um, is racist. And without a doubt the so the, you know the the so-called serpent seed doctrine, which I call the doc the biblical doctrine um, is widely condemned by most in mainstream Christianity. That is if they've even heard about it, sadly it's even rejected by otherwise very astute Bible scholars. Without hesitation, many label it as heresy and, you know, some false teaching. But rarely do they ever offer an alternative interpretation of Genesis 3 verse 15. If they do, they often attribute some vague spiritual meaning to it. Like, anyone who does bad things is of the serpent. Or, all evil people are spiritual children of the devil. And that's it. Time to move on. And they don't spend any more time on it but I, you know, I think I think you know we ought to spend some time on this don't you Don't you think the first prophecy of the of the entire Bible especially one of this magnitude deserves a little more attention than bad people are of the serpent or bad people are of the devil I do I do think about it Everyone accepts the fact that the woman seed is a literal family line leading to Christ. They don't question that, but most reject any notion of a literal serpent seed. They say, oh no, we can't have that. That is a racist teaching. And you know what? For a little bit, for, for some time, I actually, for several years, I actually questioned this teaching as being a literal biological line from the serpent. Um... But here in this study, I'm going to explain why it must be, okay, why it must be. So they say, oh, no, we can't have that. That's a racist teaching. But, my friends, not only does Satan love it when we don't expose him for what he has done here in the Garden of Eden, but if we reject a literal interpretation of the serpent seed based off of racial sensitivities, then we must also reject the woman seed for the same reason because Jesus came through the racial line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. And if we reject it because of that, that's dangerous. My friends, that would mean all of the genealogies given in the Bible, proving that Jesus was the promised seed of the woman are arbitrary and meaningless. Every single one of them, worse yet, We'd have to charge God with being a racist for choosing one race over another race for the Messiah to be born through. Okay, and I have this scripture to read to those people who, um, who question this. Again, I, I I fell into a little bit of a trap for a little while there, and I questioned this teaching. But Jesus says here in Luke chapter 11, verse 52, Woe unto you, lawyers. These are the scripture lawyers, okay? For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You enter not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. Okay? So true. People who teach the serpent seed doctrine aren't teaching. They are not teaching racism. They're teaching the truth. For there is no other way around it. If the woman's seed is a biological family line, then the serpent's seed must also be a biological family line. And to say otherwise would be wholly inconsistent with the prophecy of Genesis 3 verse 15. But someone, someone would say, but doesn't Genesis 4 1 say Cain was Adam's son? And, uh, you know, that uh, they, they might think, well, it, it sounds plausible what you're saying, but I just can't accept that. I mean, Genesis 4.1 is very plain. It says that Adam's son, it says that Cain was Adam's son, not Satan's. But let's take a closer look at that. Let's take a closer look at that. Genesis 4.1 says this, and adam knew eve his wife and she conceived and bare cain and said i have gotten a man from the lord indeed this appears to be a huge obstacle and i would stop here and say well that solves it no more no more needs be said adam is cain's biological father plain and simple but if we keep reading on to genesis 4 verse 2 we see that eve continued in labor and gave birth to another son, Abel, meaning that Cain and Abel were twins. Okay? And, and not to mention there's a lot to be learned, a lot to be analyzed when we look at the Hebrew language here. When we get things in the English, sometimes, sometimes the biases of the translators from Hebrew to English or from Greek to English carries forth. OK, so if we if we read on to verse two of Genesis four, it says, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. OK, so someone someone would say, so what if they were twins? I'll tell you what it means. Now, pay attention to me closely. It means that there were two conceptions, not just one, not just the one in Genesis 4:1, but there had to have been there had to have been another one at some other point. And it just so happens that God mentioned another conception just prior to this in Genesis chapter 3. For immediately after Eve admitted she was beguiled or seduced by the serpent, the serpent uh, gets cursed and God says this to him. Genesis 3, verse 15 and 16, uh, one of the verses I already read. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. So look, There are two different seeds mentioned here that require two separate conceptions. Adam was the father of one seed and Satan, the father of the other seed. And before you think this is crazy, this is crazy talk. Well, this still happens even to this day. If a woman has intercourse with two men within a certain time frame of each other, she can conceive a child from both of them. The medical term for this is super okay? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Meaning the fertilization of two or more ova from the same cycle by sperm from separate acts of, now check this out, from separate acts of sexual intercourse, which can lead to twin babies from two biological fathers. I was actually quoting there from Wikipedia article titled super okay oftentimes this goes unnoticed you know except for when twins are born with um, two different skin colors then you know something happened something had to have happened it, it ain't the same it ain't the same daddy right so when we read in genesis 4 1 that adam knew his wife eve we know that he was the father of one of those boys but not both and later on when we read that Cain offers an offering that was unacceptable to God and kills Abel because his offering was righteous, we we now know whose son Cain belong or you know whose son belongs to who. Cain is Satan's son, and Abel was Adam's. Right? Because did not God tell us there would be enmity between the serpent seed and the woman seed? And then you have again that Cain what does he do right right off the bat? He he kills Abel. That's the enmity between the two seeds. Okay? Cain was of the serpent seed and Abel was of the woman seed. Now, this is this is important because there are many who Believe there must be a literal serpent seed, but they have a hard time believing that Eve had sex with Satan or Genesis 4 1 is too big of a hurdle for them to jump. They then say that the serpent seed could simply be referring to um, the hybrid offspring of the fallen angels and humans in Genesis 6, known as the uh, Nephilim or the giants, or that it began some other time later on after the flood. But those alternate explanations ignore the fact that the enmity between these two seed lines began immediately with Cain and Abel. Okay? It couldn't have started couldn't have started sometime later. Okay? We we know that the fallen angels had children, they were other hybrid offsprings, but they were not the actual seed of the serpent, okay? Um, then thousands of years later, the Apostle John even confirms to us that Cain's father was Satan uh, when he says this, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he do it? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. Okay. Furthermore, Jesus tells us a certain group of scribes and Pharisees claiming to be Jews that they are members of an unbroken family line responsible for murdering righteous men going all the way back to Abel. Jesus says this in Matthew 23, verses 29 to 33. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets. And garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves, that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill you up then the measure of your fathers. Now, Now, look at this. You serpents. You offspring. Or descendants of Vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Now could Jesus have been any more clear as to what line these guys were from? He even tells them to fill you up then the measure of your fathers, what measure? Well to bruise the heel of the woman's seed to have cru- to, to call for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as we're told of in Genesis 3.15. He continues on. He says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. Now check this out. From the blood of righteous Abel. Who killed Abel? Cain. Unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barcaeus, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation, or this race. Okay? This race of people. What race of people? The race of the serpent. Okay? And I'm not talking about uh, this, when, I, when I say the word race, I'm not talking about black people, uh, a, a, excuse me, Asian people, white people. I'm not talking about race in the traditional sense of the race. I'm saying race is they are a family line of people. In fact, many people believe they have mixed in with all of the different races. Be that as it may, but um, so so again, who killed Abel? Of course, it was Cain. How many more witnesses do we need testifying that Cain was the beginning of the serpent seed? You know, someone say, "Well, that Pastor Ben, that sounds crazy." Well, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Adam and Eve standing before God, naked and ashamed trying to cover their private parts with fig leaves. Then God starts talking about conception, pain and childbirth, two different seeds at enmity with one another, and then Cain murders Abel. It, It sounds crazy not to believe such a thing happened. All of the pieces of the puzzle seem to be all around us. In the third chapter, uh, third and fourth chapter of the book of Genesis uh, because then we read and to find out that um, later on in the book of Genesis that Cain was not in Adam's genealogy Cain is not in Adam's genealogy and before I go any further one might say well that that all sounds uh, you know it's it, it sounds uh interesting. Again, it sounds plausible, but why? Um, I'll say it this way. They'll say, well, Cain is not in Adam's genealogy because he was banished from the family for um, murdering Abel. And that's not an unreasonable argument, okay? That's not an unreasonable argument. Um, But considering all the evidence the only thing that makes sense is that Cain was not a son begat in Adam's own likeness like Seth was, but rather a son in the image of his father, Satan. Additionally, though Cain was the firstborn son, it appears as though he was never considered to be the chosen seed of the woman. Okay. Uh, And like I uh, mentioned here, Genesis. If you read Genesis chapter five, you'll find out that Cain is not in Adam's genealogy. Now it says here, and Adam lived a hundred and thirty years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. see, you see how Adam's genealogy um, jumps right to Seth. Okay, Adam's descendants jump right to Seth. Okay, Abel's not mentioned because he was killed, and Cain is not mentioned. Not just because he got banished from the family, but because he never was. He never was of the seed of the woman. He never was Adam's son. Um, and then if you read Genesis four verse twenty-five, and it says, "And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth, for God said, she, for God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew." Okay. And the point of me reading that verse is to point out to you again that Cain was never the appointed seed. He was never of the woman's seed. I mean, did you you read that closely? Eve said, God hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel. So Abel then was the original seed of the woman. And of course, Cain would have been the seed of something else. Which would have been the seed of the serpent. So, but but think of this: if Cain and Abel were both of the woman's seed, then she would have had two promised seeds before Cain murdered Abel, and there would be no serpent seed. That would have contradicted the prophecy of Genesis 3:15, would it not? Okay, because it's simple. It really is simple and we can make this more complicated than it is. It's two seed lines, beginning with Cain and Abel. And then Seth, because Abel was killed, Seth was the replacement uh, for uh, he was the replacement for the woman's seed. All right. So the parable of the tares really is the key that explains all of this, okay? Um, If that wasn't enough for you, if you're you're still hung up on Genesis 4.1, believing it says Adam was Cain's son, then then maybe this parable concerning the tares will help you overcome that obstacle. For it reads, Another parable put he forth unto me, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Okay, now these tares are weeds that look exactly like wheat, okay? They are called the Zawan, look exactly like wheat. So, this enemy came and sowed these, these tares or these Zawan among the wheat and went his way. So, in other words, what we got here is Jesus is revealing that Satan was the progenitor of the serpent seed described here in a. In, in a different form as tares. But it goes even further than this. Part of the mystery is that they would remain hidden among the wheat because you couldn't tell them apart from the time that they were planted until the harvest. Okay. And then the servants say, should, should we, uh, so you got the good seed equals the, uh, good seed equals the woman's seed. The tares equal the uh, serpent seed and the enemy equals the Satan or the serpent. It's all put together here for us by our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the servants say, should we, should we uh, rip those tares out of the earth? Okay. But Jesus says, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And then in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is important. We are not to do any physical harm to the tares. In doing so, we would greatly damage the wheat at the same time. Why? Why why would that damage the wheat? Well, because our people just can't handle this kind of truth. Just look at how they react when we merely teach that there are tares, or biological children of Satan on the earth. They call us heretics, racists, and so on. Imagine if you went out and tried to harm these people. Um, that would be really bad, right? Besides, the tares are here. The serpent seed is here to fulfill the negative part of God's plan. And we're to let them fulfill that, all right? Then he continues on, then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him saying Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Okay? Now if Jesus if if Jesus's parable had a vague spiritual meaning like um all bad people are all bad people hidden in the church are let me let me just see if I got a couple verses there. Let me see. Um all right. I'll say this first before I get before I get going here. Now, if Jesus' parable had a vague spiritual meaning like all bad people hidden the church are spiritual terrors, do you really think the disciples would be asking for clarification on this? No way. Bad people scattered throughout churches or society has no mystery at all. Everyone knows that. If that were the case, the disciples wouldn't be so curious as to its meaning. Would you? If it was just, if that was it, but they knew there was something deep and profound about the parable of the tares and it got their attention in a big way. So Jesus is going to plainly tell them who the tares are. Check this out. He answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom but the terrors are the children of the wicked one. Did you just did you just read that? Hey, it's not a mystery anymore. Jesus just told his disciples that Satan planted or conceived children on earth. So, we can no longer deny who Cain was and what really happened in the garden of Eden. Okay? I mean, that was, uh, Jesus was explaining a parable, not giving us another parable. I mean, think about this. Are there truths you wouldn't dare say in public? Of course. Same with Jesus. If Jesus would have just plainly told the multitudes that Satan had biological children on earth and pointed out exactly who they were, it would have caused an uproar probably severely damaging the message he was bringing so instead jesus widely proclaimed this truth in a parable while private in the parable of the tares while privately explaining to his disciple to his disciples exactly what he meant by it again if jesus spoke this parable to the multitudes to simply illustrate a point that everyone who does evil Uh, or bad things is a spiritual child of the devil. No one would be surprised by this. They already believed that. There'd be no mystery in that. And it certainly wouldn't have offended anyone. No one gets offended at a teaching like that. But I tell you this, they do get offended when you teach that Satan has literal, biological children on the earth. Even to this day. Oh yeah, you know, they they don't like that at all. You'll get called again, you'll get called a racist, a heretic, and everything else in the book. So now do you see why Jesus spoke this parable of the tares to the multitude, but only plainly expounded it to his disciples in secret? Do you understand why he did that? Earlier on in this chapter, the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou thou unto them in parables? In Matthew 13, verse 10. Then Jesus answered them, saying, I don't have the verse up here for you, but he said this, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So there are some things that are just not meant for everyone to understand including the fact that Satan has literal, has a literal biological family line living on earth even unto this day. Okay, Again, it says, All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable he spake not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret, from the foundation of the world okay in other words there were things in the book of genesis that had been kept secret up until jesus revealed them that's why even well-known bible scholars can't see that there is a serpent seed on earth today their worldly wisdom and credentials will not help them in fact jesus even told peter that when it comes to mysteries Like this, that flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 16, verse 17. And in another place, Jesus says, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Matthew 11, verse 25. Okay? That's why they they cannot accept it. Because they cannot understand it. So, I don't let it bother me when people call me a heretic. Okay, moving on. Spiritual and physical seeds. Because there are several passages in the New Testament spiritualizing things like the seed of Abraham, there is also an overriding temptation to spiritualize the serpent seed as well. And here are a couple of prime examples. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 through 29 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, There is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Okay, true, this is the first example, uh, where it clearly says all believers in Jesus, regardless of race, are considered to be as the seed of Abraham. So this is a, there is a spiritual seed. There is a way to um, spiritually apply uh, being of the woman's seed in this sense. Then we page over to John chapter 8, and we find in our second example that even a blood-born child of Abraham can be considered to be a child of the devil or of the serpent's seed. Because while speaking to some scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said, I know that you are of Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. And he continues on to say, you are of your father, the devil, from John chapter eight, verse uh, 44, that you are of your father, the devil and the lusts of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay, so people say, see right there, if Jesus calls these biological children of Abraham, the seed of the serpent, then the serpent seed is a spiritual thing and not a physical seed. Okay, I think it's possible he might have been calling them uh, children, of Ab- children of Abraham, sarcastic. You know, he could have been being a little sarcastic here, but nevertheless, let's treat it as though that that's what we're seeing here. So, but if that is true, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, um, are merely. If it's true that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent are mere, merely spiritual things, then why does the book of Revelation, talk about a remnant of the woman's seed being attacked by the serpent in the future tribulation. Also in Revelation 7, it says there are going to be 144,000 of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe sealed just before the time of the end. Furthermore, in that same chapter, chapter 7 of Revelation, another group A great multitude of believers in Jesus from all nations, aside from the 144,000 of Israel, are mentioned as having endured the tribulation. That means there is still a distinction between biological Israel and Christians who are not of Israel, all the way up to the time of the end. Okay? So how do we reconcile all of this? How do we reconcile all these passages? The answer is simple there is both a literal and spiritual application of the woman seed and the serpent seed. If you are not a biological descendant of Abraham, you can become adopted into the family by faith in Christ. You can become of the seed of Abraham that way. On the flip side, if you are a biological descendant of Abraham, You can be adopted into the family of Satan. You can become of the serpent seed. But that doesn't mean the two biological lines no longer exist or or that they don't mean anything anymore. Because they do. Okay, They do mean something. Um, So in conclusion here, When someone teaches a literal seed of the woman, starting with Eve, going all the way back to Jesus Christ, but not a literal seed of the serpent, existing even up to this day, they are only telling you half the story that began in Genesis 3.15. But you know what? That doesn't come as a surprise, because most churches are notorious for only cherry-picking the stuff that sounds nice. They don't want to talk about the dark side. They don't want to talk about any of this stuff. And sometimes I think they don't want to believe it exists, the dark side, because it's too scary to think about. And as tempting as that may be, it, it, is, it is dangerous. Understanding what truly happened in the beginning, who Cain's father really was, is the key that unlocks many mysteries concerning the kingdom of the Antichrist. Many mysteries that I cannot go into here in this study. And the more you understand Satan's kingdom, the more prepared you are to withstand it. That's why it's written about in the Bible. The seed of the serpent is real and very active on the earth right now, preparing for the arrival of. Of the serpent man, or the antichrist, for the uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses seven through eight, the Apostle Paul says this: For the for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming. Do you have eyes to see? and ears to hear? Or do you only get half of the story? God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.